Chapter 16 of Dread, A Tale of the Great Dismal Swamp by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. This recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Chapter 16 Millie's Story nina spent the evening in the drawing-room and her brother in the animation of a new pursuit forgetful of the difference of the morning exerted himself to be agreeable and treated her with more consideration and kindness than he had done any time since his arrival he even made some off-hand advances towards clayton which the latter received with good humour and which went further than she supposed to raise the spirits of nina and so on the whole she passed a more than usually agreeable evening on retiring to her room she found milly who had been for some time patiently waiting for her having dispatched her mistress to bed some time since well nina i am going on my travels in the morning thought i must have a little time to see you lamb before i goes i can't bear to have you go milly i don't like that man you're going with i specs he's a nice man said milly of course he'll look me out a nice place because he's always took good care of miss lou's affairs so you never trouble yourself about me i tell you child i never gets where i can't find the lord and when i finds him i gets along the lord is my shepherd i shall not want but you have never been used to living except in our family said nina and somehow i feel afraid if they don't treat you well come back milly will you laws child i isn't much feared but what i'll get along well enough when people keep about their business doing the best they can folks doesn't often trouble them i never yet seed the folks i couldn't suit she added with a glow of honest pride no child it isn't for myself i was appearing it's just for you child child you don't know what it is to live in this year world and i want you to get the best friend to go with you why dear lamb you want somebody to go to and open your heart somebody that'll love you and always stand by you somebody that'll always lead you right you know you has more cares than such a young thing ought for to have great many looking to you and depending on you now if your ma was alive it would be different but just now i see how tis there'll be a hundred things you'll be thinking and feeling and nobody to say em to and now child you must learn to go to the lord why child he loves you child he loves you just as you be if you only saw how much it would melt your heart right down i told you i was going some time for to tell you my experiences how i first found jesus oh lord lord but it's a long story nina whose quick sympathies were touched by the earnestness of her old friend and still more aroused by the allusion to her mother answered oh yes come tell me about it and drawing a low ottoman she sat down and laid her head on the lap of her humble friend well well you see child said milly her large dark eyes fixing themselves on vacancy and speaking in a low and dreamy voice a body's life in dis year world is a mighty strange thing you see child my mother well they brought her from africa my father too 
Heaps and heaps, my mother told me about that dar. That there was a mighty fine country, where they had gold in the rivers, and such great big tall trees, with the strangest beautiful flowers on em you ever did see. Laws, laws. Well, they brought my mother and my father into Charleston, and there Mr. Campbell, that was your ma's father, honey, he bought them right out of the ship. But they had five children, and they was all sold, and they never knowed where they went to. Father and mother couldn't speak a word of English when they come ashore, and she told me how often she couldn't speak a word to nobody to tell them how it hurt her. Laws, when I was a child, I remember how often, when the day's work was done, she used to come out and sit and look up at the stars and groan, groan, and groan. I was a little thing, playing round, and I used to come up to her, dancing, and saying, Mammy, what makes you groan so? What's the matter of you? Matter enough, child, she used to say. I was a-thinking of my poor chillings. I like to look at the stars, because they sees the same stars that I do. Pears like we all was in one room, but I don't know where they is. They don't know where I be. Then she'd say to me, Now, child, you may be sold away from your mammy. There's no knowing what may happen to you, child. But if you gets into any trouble, as I does, you mind, child. You ask God to help you. Who is God, mammy, says I, anyhow. Why, child, she says, he made these year stars. And then I wanted mammy to tell me more about it. Only, she says, he can do anything he likes, and if ye are in any kind of trouble, he can help you. Well, to be sure, I didn't mind much about it all dancing round, because pretty well don't need much help. But she said that there to me so many times, I couldn't help remember it. Child, troubles will come, and when they does come, you ask God, and he will help you. Well, sure enough, I wasn't sold from her, but she was took from me because Mr. Campbell's brother went off to live in Orleans and parted the hands. My father and mother was took to Orleans, and I was took to Virginia. Well, you see, I growed up along with these young ladies, your ma, Miss Harriet, Miss Lou, and the rest on them, and I had heaps of fun. They all liked Millie. They couldn't nobody run, nor jump, nor ride a horse, nor row a boat like Millie. And so it was Millie here, and Millie there, and whatever the young ladies wanted, it was Millie made the way for it. Well, there was a great difference among them young ladies. There was Miss Lou. She was the prettiest, and she had a great many beaux. But then there was your ma. Everybody loved her. And then there was Miss Harriet. She had right smart of life in her and was always for doing something. Always right busy, tending to something or other. And she liked me because I'd always go in with her. Well, well, them there was pleasant times enough. But when I got to be about 14 or 15, I began to feel kind of bad, sort of strange and heavy. I really didn't know why, but appeared like when I got older, I felt I was in bondage. Remember one day your ma came in and sees me looking out the window, and she says to me, Millie, what makes you so dull lately? Oh, says I, I somehow, I don't have good times. Why, says she, why not? 
Don't everybody make much of you? And don't you have everything that you want? Oh, well, says I, Missus, I's a poor slave girl for all that. Child, your ma was a weedy thing like you. I remember just how she looked that minute. I felt sorry, cause I thought I'd hurt her feelings. But, says she, Millie, I don't wonder you feel so. I know I should feel so myself if I was in your place. Afterwards, she told Miss Lou and Miss Harriet, but they laughed and said they guessed there wasn't many girls who were as well off as Millie. Well, then, Miss Harriet, she was married the first. She married Mr. Charles Blair, and when she was married, nothing was to do, but she must have me to go with her. I liked Miss Harriet, but then, honey, I'd liked it much better if it had been your ma. I'd always counted that I wanted to belong to your ma, and I think your ma wanted me, but then she was still, and Miss Harriet, she was one of the sort that never lost nothing by not asking for it. She was one of the sort that always got things by hook or by crook. She always had more clothes and more money and more everything than the rest of them, because she was always wide awake and looking out for herself. Well, Mr. Blair's place was away off in another part of Virginia, and I went there with her. Well, she wasn't very happy, no way she went, because Mr. Blair, he was a high feller. Laws, Miss Nina, when I tells you this year when you got here is a good un, and I advise you to take him, it's cause I knows what comes of girls marrying high fellers. Don't care how good looking they is, nor what their manners is, it's just the ruin of girls that has em. Laws, when he was a courtin' Miss Harriet, it was all nobody but her. She was going to be his angel, and he was going to give up all sorts of bad ways and live such a good life. Ah, she married him, and it all went up to smoke. Before the month was well over, he got to going in his old ways, and then it was go-go all the time, carousing and drinking, parties at home, parties abroad, money flying like the water. Well, this made a great change in Miss Harriet. She didn't laugh no more. She got sharp and cross, and she wasn't good to me like what she used to be. She took to be jealous of me and her husband. She might have saved herself to trouble. I shouldn't have touched him with a pair of tongs. But he was always running after everything that came in his way, so no wonder. But between them both, I led a bad life of it. Well, things dragged kind of along in this way. She had three children, and at last he was killed one day, falling off his horse when he was too drunk to hold the bridle. Good riddance, too, I thought. <laughs> and then, after he's dead, Miss Harriet, she seems to grow more quiet-like, and setting herself picking up what pieces and crumbs was left for her and the children. And I remember she had one of her uncles there a good many days, helping her in counting up the debts. Well, they was talking one day in Mrs. Room, and there was a little light closet on one side where I got set down to do some fine stitching, but they was too busy in their accounts to think anything about me. It seemed that the place and the people was all to be sold off to pay the debts, all except a few of us who were to go off with Mrs. and begin again on a small place, and I heard him telling her about it. While your children are small, he says, you can live small and keep things close and raise enough on the place for ye all, and then you can be making the most of your property. 
niggers is rising in the market since missouri came in days worth double and so you can just sell the increase of em for a good sum now there's that black girl millie of yourn <laughs> you may be sure i now i pricked up my ears miss nina i don't often see a girl a finer breed than she is says he just as if i'd been a cow you know have you got her a husband no said miss harriet and then says she i believe millie is something of a coquette among the young men she's never settled on anybody yet says she well says he that must be attended to cause that girl's children will be in a state of themselves why i've known women to have twenty and her children wouldn't any of them be worth less than eight hundred dollars there's a fortune at once if days like her they'll be as good as cash in the market any day you can send out and sell one if you happen to be in any straits just as soon as you can draw a note on the bank oh laws miss nina i tell you this year fell on me like so much lead cause you see i'd been keeping company with a very nice young man and i was going to ask miss harriet about it that very day but there i laid down my work that minute i thinks and says true as the lord's in heaven i won't never be married in this world and i cried about it off and on all day and at night i told paul about it he was the one you know but paul he tried to make it all smooth he guessed it wouldn't happen he guessed missus would think better on it at any rate we loved each other and why shouldn't we take as much comfort as we could well i went to miss harriet and told her just what i thought about it allers had spoke my mind to miss harriet about everything and i ain't gonna stop then and she laughed at me and told me not to cry for i was hurt well things went on so two three weeks and finally paul he persuaded me and so we was married when our first child was born paul was so pleased he thought strange that i went paul says i dish yer child ain't iron it may be took from us and sold any day well well says he millie it may be god's child anyway even if it ain't iron cause you see miss nina paul he was a christian ah well honey i can't tell you after that i had a great many chillin girls and boys growing up around me well i's had fourteen children dear and they's all been sold from me every single one of them lord it's a heavy cross heavy heavy none knows but them that bears it what a shame said nina how could aunt harriet be such a wicked woman an aunt of mine do so child child said millie we doesn't none of us know what's in us when miss harriet and i was gals together hunting hens eggs and rowing the boat in the river i wouldn't have thought it would have been so and she wouldn't have thought so neither but then what little's bad in girls when they's young and handsome and all the world smiling on em oh honey it gets dreadful strong when they gets grown women and the wrinkles comes in their faces always when she was a girl whether it was eggs or berries or chink pins or what it was miss harriet's nature to get and to keep and when she got old that all turned to money oh said nina 
but it does seem impossible that a woman a lady born too and my aunt could do such a thing ah ah honey ladies born have some bad stuff in em sometimes like the rest of us but then honey it was the most natural thing in the world come to look on it for now see here honey there was your aunt she was poor and she was pestered for money there was master george's bills and peter's bills to pay and miss susie's and every one of em must have everything and they was all calling for money money and there has been times she didn't know which way to turn now you see when a woman is pestered to pay two hundred here and three hundred there and when she's got more niggers on her place than she can keep and then a man calls in and lays down eight hundred dollars in gold and bills before her and she says i want that there lucy or george of yourn why don't you see these year soul drivers is always round tempting folk they know is poor and they always have their money as handy as the devil has his but then i oughtn't for to be hard upon them poor soul drivers neither cause they ain't taught no better it's these here christians that profess christ that makes great talks about religion that has their bibles and turns their backs upon swearing soul drivers and thinks they ain't fit to speak on it's them honey that's the root of the whole business now there was that uncle hern mighty great christian he was with his prayer meetings and all that he was always a putting her up to it oh there's been times there was times long first miss nina when my first children was sold that i tell you i poured out my soul to miss harriet and i've seen that there woman cry so that i was sorry for her and she said to me merely i'll never do it again but lord i didn't trust her not a word on it cause i knowed she would i know there was that in her heart that the devil wouldn't let go of i know he'd no kind of objection to her musing herself with meetings and prayers and all that but he'd no notion to let go his grip on her heart but lord she wasn't quite a bad woman poor miss harriet wasn't and she wouldn't have done so bad if it hadn't been for him but he'd come and have prayers and exhort and then come prowling round my place like a wolf looking at my chillin and milly he'd say how do you do now lucy's getting to be a right smart girl milly how old is she there's a lady in washington has advertised for a maid a nice woman a pious lady i suppose you wouldn't object milly your poor mistress is in great trouble for money i never said nothing to that man only once when he asked me what i thought my lucy would be worth when she was fifteen years old says i to him sir she is worth to me just what your daughter is worth to you then i went in and shut the door i didn't stay to see how he took it then he'd go up to the house and talk to miss harriet twas her duty he'd tell her to take proper care of her goods and that there meant selling my chillin i remember when miss susie came home from boarding school she was a pretty girl but i didn't look on her very kind i tell you because three of my children had been sold to keep her at school my lucy ah honey she went for a lady's maid i knowed what that there meant well enough the lady had a son grown and he took lucy with him to orleans and there was an end to that there don't no letters go tween us 
<laughs> One's gone. We can't write. And it's as good as being dead. I know, child, not so good. Paul used to teach Lucy little hymns nights before she went to sleep, and if she'd have died right off after one of them, it would have been better for her. Oh, honey, long dim times I used to rave and toss like a bull in a net. I did so. Well, honey, I wasn't what I was. I got cross and ugly. Miss Harriet, she grew a great Christian and joined the church and used to have heaps of ministers and elders at her house, and some on them used to try and talk to me. I told them I'd seen enough of their old religion, and I didn't want to hear no more. But Paul, he was a Christian, and when he talked to me, I was quiet-like, though I couldn't be like what he was. Well, last, my missus promised me one. She'd give me my youngest child, sure and certain. His name was Alfred. Well, that boy, I loved that child better than any of the rest of them. He was all I'd got left to love. For when he was a year old, Paul's master moved away down to Louisiana and took him off, and I never heard no more of him. So it appeared as if this year child was all I had left. Well, he was a bright boy. Oh, he was most uncommon. He was so handy to anything and saved me so many steps. Oh, honey, he had such ways with him, that boy. Would always make me laugh. He took after learning mighty, and he learned himself to read, and he read the Bible to me sometimes. I just brought him up and teached him the best way I could. All that made me afraid for him was that he was so spirity. I was afraid to get him into trouble. He ain't no more spirited than white folks would like their children for it to be. When white children holds up their heads and answers back, then the parents laugh and say, He's got it in him. He's a bright one. But if one of iron does so, it's a dreadful thing. I was always talking to Alfred about it and telling him to keep humble. It appears like there was so much in him, you couldn't keep it down. Laws of Miss Nina. Folks may say what they like about the black folks. They'll never beat it out of my head. There's some on them can be as smart as any white folks, if they could have the same chance. How many white boys did you ever see would take the trouble for to teach theirselves to read? And that's what my Alfred did. Laws, I had a mighty heap of comfort in him, because I was thinking to get my missus to let me hire my time. Then I was going to work over hours and to get money and buy him because, you see, child, I knowed he was too spirity for a slave. You see, he couldn't learn to stoop. He wouldn't let nobody impose on him, and he always had a word back again to give anybody as good as they sent. Yet for all that, he was a dear good boy to me, and when I used to talk to him and tell him these things was dangerous, he'd always promise for to be careful. Well... Things went on pretty well while he was little, and I kept him with me till he got to be about 12 or 13 years old. He used to wipe the dishes and scour the knives and black the shoes and such like work. But by and by, they said it was time that he should go to the regular work, and that there was the time I felt feared. Mrs. had an overseer, and he was real aggravating, and I felt feared there'd be trouble. And sure enough, there was, too. There was always something brewing between him and Alfred, 
and he was always running to missus with tales, and I was talking to Alfred. But it appeared like he aggravated the boy so that he couldn't do right. Well, one day, when I had been up to town for an errand, I came home at night, and I wondered Alfred didn't come home to his supper. I thought something was wrong, and I went to the house, and there sat Miss Harriet by a table covered with rolls of money, and there she was accounting it. Miss Harriet, says I, I can't find Alfred. Ain't you seen him, says I. At first she didn't answer, but went on counting. Fifty-one, fifty-two, fifty-three. Finally I spoke again. I hope there ain't nothing happened to Alfred, Miss Harriet. She look up and she says to me, Millie, she says, the fact is, Alfred has got too much for me to manage, and I had a great deal of money offered for him, and I sold him. I felt something strong coming up in my throat, and I just went up and took hold of her shoulders and said I, Miss Harriet, you took the money for 13 of my children. And you promised me sure enough I should have this year one. You called that being a Christian? Says I. Why, says she, Millie, he ain't a great way off, and you can see him about as much. It's only over to Mr. Jones's plantation. You can go and see him, and he can come and see you. And I know you didn't like the man who had care of him here and thought he was always getting him into trouble. Miss Harriet, says I, you may cheat yourself saying them things, but you don't cheat me nor the Lord neither. You folks have to say all on your side, with your ministers preaching us down out of the Bible. You won't teach us to read, but I'm going straight to the Lord with this year case. I tell you, if the Lord is to be found, I'll find him, and I'll ask him to look on it. The way you've been treating me, selling my children all the way long to pay for your children, and now breaking your word to me and taking this year, boy, the last drop of blood in my heart. I'll pray the Lord to curse every cent of that there money to you and your children. That there was the way I spoke to her, child. I was a poor, ignorant creature and didn't know God, and my heart was like a red-hot coal. I turned and walked right straight out from her. I didn't speak no more to her. And she didn't speak no more to me. And when I went to bed at night, dar sure enough was Alfred's bed in the corner and his Sunday coat hanging up over it and his Sunday shoes I had bought him with my own money because he was a handsome boy and I wanted him always to look nice. Well, so come Sunday morning, I took his coat and his shoes and made a bundle of them and I took my stick and says I, I'll just go over to Jones's place and see what has come of Alfred. All the time, I hadn't said a word to Mrs., nor she to me. Well, I got about halfway over to the place, and there I stopped under a big hickory tree to rest me a bit, and I looked along and seed someone a-coming, and pretty soon I knowed it was Hulda. She was one that married Paul's cousin, and she lived on Jones's place. And so I got up and went to meet her and told her I was going over to see about Alfred. Lord, says she, Millie, haven't you heard that Alfred's dead? Well, Miss Nina, it seemed as if my heart and 
everything in it stock still. And said I, Hulda, has they killed him? And she said, Yes. And she told me it was this sheer way. That Stiles, he that was Jones's overseer, had heard that Alfred was dreadful spirity, and when boys is so, sometimes they aggravates him to get em riled, and then they whips him to break em in. So, Stiles, when he was laying off Alfred's task, was real aggravating to him, and that boy, well, he answered back, just as he always would be doing, cause he was smart, and it appeared like he just couldn't keep it in. And then they all laughed round there, and then Stiles was mad and swore he'd whip him, and then Alfred, he cut and run. And then Stiles, he swore awful at him, and he told him to come here, and he'd give him hell and pay him the cash. Them is the very words he said to my boy. And Alfred said he wouldn't come back. He wasn't going to be whipped. And just then, young Master Bill come along and wanted to know what was the matter. So Stiles told him, and he took out his pistol and said, Here, young dog, if you don't come back before I count five, I'll fire. Fire ahead, says Alfred, because you see, that boy never knowed what fear was. And so he fired. And Hulda said he just jumped up and gave one scream and fell flat. And they run up to him, and he was dead. Because, you see, the bullet went right through his heart. Well, they took off his jacket and looked, but it wasn't of no use. His face settled down still. And Hulda said that they just dug a hole and put him in. Nothing on him, nothing around him. No coffin, like he'd been a dog. Hulda showed me the jacket. There was the hole cut right round in it, like it was stamped, and his blood running out on it. I didn't say a word. I took up the jacket and wrapped it up with his Sunday clothes, and I walked straight, straight home. I walked up into Mrs. Room, and she was dressed for church, sure enough, and sat there reading her Bible. I laid it right down under her face, that jacket. You see that hole, said I? You see that blood? Alfred's killed. You killed him. His blood be on you and your chillin'. O Lord God in heaven, hear me and render unto her double. <gasps> Nina drew in her breath hard with an instinctive shudder. Millie had drawn herself up in the vehemence of her narration and sat leaning forward, her black eyes dilated, her strong arms clenched before her and her powerful frame expanding and working with the violence of her emotion. She might have looked to one with mythological associations, like the figure of a black marble nemesis in a trance of wrath. She sat so for a few minutes, and then her muscles relaxed, her eyes gradually softened. She looked tenderly but solemnly down on Nina. Dem was awful words, child, but I was in Egypt then. I was wandering in the wilderness of Sinai. I had heard the sound of the trumpet and the voice of words, but, child, I hadn't seen the Lord. Well, I went out, and I didn't speak no more to Miss Harriet. There was a great gulf fixed between us, and there didn't no words pass over it. I did my work. 
I scorned not to do it, but I didn't speak to her. Then it was, child, that I thought of what my mother told me years ago, and it came to me all afresh. Child, when trouble comes, you ask the Lord to help you. And I saw that I hadn't asked the Lord to help me. And now, says I to myself, the Lord can't help me, because he couldn't bring back Alfred. No way you could fix it. And yet I wanted to find the Lord, because I was so tossed up and down. I wanted just to go and say, Lord, you see what this woman has done. I wanted to put it on him if he'd stand up for such a thing as that. Lord, how the world and everything looked to me in them times. Everything going on in the way it did. And these here Christians that said that they was going into the kingdom doing as they did. I tell you, I sought the Lord early and late. Many nights I have been out in the woods and laid on the ground till morning, calling and crying, and appeared like nobody heard me. Oh, how strange it used to look when I looked up at the stars winking at me, so kind of still and solemn, but never saying a word. Sometimes I got that wild, it seemed as if I could tear a hole through the sky, because I must find God. I had an errand to him, and I must find him. Then I heard him read out the Bible about how the Lord met a man on a threshing floor, and I thought maybe if I had a threshing floor, he would come to me. So I threshed down a place just as hard as I could under the trees, and then I prayed there. But he didn't come. Then there was coming a great camp meeting, and I thought I'd go and see if I could find the Lord there. Because you see, Missus, she let her people go Sunday to the camp meeting. Well, I went into the tents and heard them sing, and I went afore the altar, and I heard preaching, but it appeared like it was no good. It didn't touch me nowhere, and I couldn't see nothing to it. And I heard him read out of the Bible, Oh, that I knew where I might find him. I would come even to his seat. I would order my cows before him. I would fill my mouth with arguments. And I thought, sure enough, that there's just what I want. Well, came on dark night, and they had all the campfires lighted up, and they was singing the hymns round and round, and I went for to hear the preaching. And there was a man, pale, lean man he was, with black eyes and black hair. Well, that dar man, he preached a sermon, to be sure, I shall never forget. His text was, he that spared not his own son, but freely delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him freely give us all things? Well, you see, the first sound of this took me, because I'd lost my son. And the man, he told us who the son of God was, Jesus. Oh, how sweet and beautiful he was. He went round doing for folks. Oh, Lord, what a story that there was. And then how they took him and put the crown of thorns on his head and hung him up bleeding, bleeding, bleeding. God so loved us that he let his own dear son suffer all that for us. Child, I got up and I went to the altar and I kneeled down with the mourners and I fell flat on my face. And they said I was in a trance. Maybe I was. Where I was, I don't know. But I saw the Lord. Child, it seemed as if my very heart was still. 
I saw him suffering, bearing with us year in and year out, bearing, bearing, bearing so patient. Peered like it wasn't just on the cross, but bearing always, everywhere. Oh, child, I saw how he loved us, us all, all, every one on us, we that hated each other so. Peered like he was using his heart up for us all the time bleeding for us like he did on Calvary, and willing to bleed. Oh, child, I saw what it was for me to be hating like I hated. Oh, Lord, says I, I give up. Oh, Lord, never see you afore, I didn't know. Lord, I's a poor sinner. I won't hate no more. Oh, and oh, child, then there comes such a rush of love in my soul, says I. Lord, I can love even the white folks. And then came another rush and says, Yes, Lord, I love poor Miss Harriet, that sold all my children and been the death of my poor Alfred. I loves her. Child, I overcome. I did so. I overcome by the blood of the lamb. The lamb. Yes, the lamb, child. Because if he'd been a lion, I could have kept in. Twas the lamb that overcome. When I come to, I felt like a child. I went home to Miss Harriet, and I hadn't spoken peaceable to her since Alfred died. I went in to her. She'd been sick, and she was in her room, looking kind of pale and yeller, poor thing. Cause her son, honey, he got drunk and abused her awful. I went in and says I, Oh, Miss Harriet, I seen the Lord. Miss Harriet, I ain't got no more hard feelings. I forgive you and loves you with all my heart, just as the Lord does. Honey, you ought to see how that woman cried. Says she, Millie, I's a great sinner. Says I, Miss Harriet, we's sinners, both on us, but the Lord gives Himself for us both, and if he loves us poor sinners, we mustn't be hard on each other. Ye was tempted, honey, says I, for you see I felt like making excuses for her. But the Lord Jesus has got a pardon for both on us. After that, I didn't have no more trouble with Miss Harriet. Child, we was sisters in Jesus. I bore her burdens and she bore mine. And dear, the burdens was heavy. For her son, he was brought home a corpse. He shot himself right through the heart, trying to load a gun when he was drunk. Oh, child, I thought then how I'd prayed the Lord to render unto her double. But I had a better mind then. If I could have brought poor Master George to life, I'd have done it. And I held the poor woman's head on my arm all that there night, and she was a-screaming every hour. Well, that there took her down to the grave. She didn't live much longer, but she was ready to die. She sent and bought my daughter Lucy's son this year, Tom, and get him to me. Poor thing, she did all she could. I watched with her the night she died. Oh, Miss Nina, if ever you're tempted to hate anybody, think how it'll be with them when they comes to die. She died hard, poor thing, and she was cast down about her sins. Oh, Millie, says she, the Lord and you may forgive me, but I can't forgive myself. And says I to her, Oh, Mrs., don't think of it no more. The Lord's hid it in his own heart. Oh, but she struggled long, honey. She was all night dying, and 
twas milly milly all the time oh milly stay with me and child i felt i loved her like my own soul and when the day broke the lord set her free and i laid her down like she'd been one of my babies i took up her poor hand it was warm but the strength was all gone out on it and i thought you poor thing how could i ever have hated you so ah child we mustn't hate nobody we's all poor creatures and the dear lord he loves us all end of chapter sixteen milly's story